if you're trying to develop a portfolio, if you're trying to, you know, find your style, you know, it's always to go back to what really makes you tick. What, what, what do you find inspiring? What really kind of sets you alight? And then you can, you know, kind of take that to your process to drive your creativity. Hey, and welcome to episode 20 of Webflow the podcast where we dig into the three biggest failures throughout the career of successful Webflowers. 20 episodes, guys. Thank you so much for supporting Webflow. It means the world to me. This week's episode, I interview Hamish Duncan. Hamish was a semi-professional snowboarder, but at 22, he broke his back, forcing him to rethink his life. After finding a love of storytelling and brand identity design, Hamish eventually set up Penny Black that transforms digital products that move businesses, people, and the planet forward. The failures we talk about are feeling overwhelmed and held back by people that are better than you, failing to appreciate being a generalist, and failing at investing in the wrong projects. So without further ado, let's jump into episode 20 of Webflow with Hamish Duncan. Hamish it's an honor to have you. Honor to be with you today, Jack. I'm very excited to speak to you today. The first time Hamish and I met was actually in London at a pizza restaurant. So I know a little bit more about Hamish as a guest in comparison to other people that come on the show. So it'll be a really fun episode today. So let's talk about Penny Black. How did the name come about? I'm so intrigued by the name Penny Black. I just want to start with the name because I feel like this story encapsulates you. Yeah, so I discovered that the uh, the first pre-postage stamp was uh, named the Penny Black. Two versions, the Penny Red and the Penny Black. Um, and I loved the name as soon as I found out the story, which was that the system before pre-postage came into effect was that you would pay for the mail that would come to your door. So the postie would knock at the door and uh, he would say, uh, OK, you owe me Thrutney or whatever it was for the, for this amount of mail. Yeah, you'd have to pay for it. And so they worked out that the system was was highly ineffective. And so they introduced the pre-postage uh, um, stamp, stamp uh, system to um, to encourage more people to use it. And so that's kind of I love that idea that, that, that there would be a system in place that would get people to use something more in a, in a, in a, in a positive way. And it did. Um, the, the, the pre-postage system, the stamp system is, is what we know and love uh, today. Wow. So it kind of set the tone moving forward. And I guess that's kind of a big essence of, of what your brand does. I mean, transforming digital products that move businesses, people and planet forward. You've got a very clear idea of, uh, you know, what you do and who you do it for. Um, and was that influenced by your snowboarding background, this love of the outdoors and wanting to work with clients that also cared about the climate? Uh, yeah, so I suppose it was more the, the the transition away from snowboarding into digital design. And whilst I was in hospital in Grenoble after the injury, you know, I had operations to go through. I'm learning to walk again, physio, etc. During that time, I used it to to learn um, CSS, HTML, all the design packages. 
and really kind of transition away from snowboarding into something new. And that transformation wasn't easy. It's not easy. But I think that's actually gone on to help me work with clients in, in a more kind of empathetical way, because I can understand the kind of situation that they're in. Maybe it's loss of identity. They could be in crisis. Sometimes I work with clients that just want to advance the good times that they're already living. You know, they've already got a great thing going, but they just want to do something more with it. But um, but there are crisis situations as well. So I, d- I did feel that during that transition away from snowboarding in that time that I had this kind of identity crisis that I was able to kind of understand that from business owners point of view and and, and help them on that level. That's fascinating that when you were in your personal crisis at 22 you've kind of applied that same knowledge of stress anxiety and trying to work out where you're at and where you're going to two businesses it's such an interesting kind of life scenario or situation that happened that has given you that very unique uh, knowledge of kind of how to cope I guess yeah I feel really lucky to have had the opportunity to kind of turn something that would to, to many outsiders feel quite negative to, in actual fact it's it's been a huge positive because I've been able to kind of reinvent i've been able to experiment i've been able to kind of stay curious in 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 and and expand my knowledge in lots of other fields above and beyond just being what i would have been as a a kind of fully turned professional uh, snowboarder yeah and you're an insanely positive guy i mean i don't know many people that smile as much as you uh, in the web (laughs) (laughs) and i can't help feeling that maybe that is because you you know, had a near death experience and you have kind of had to bounce back from that and realize what life means in a very, very unique way at such a young age at 22 to to realize that. I, I think it's quite unique, your positive, upbeat attitude. Yeah, I mean, there were, I wasn't always uh, uh, positive around that time, but um, but you have to find it. There are always times that we, you know, difficult times that people go through and you have to, you know, dig really deep. Um, and a lot, a lot of that comes from being able to speak to people. Um, I, I had therapy. Um, I had um, uh, some really incredible therapy um, that, that was uh, called EMDR, which is eye mobilization, desensitization of the retina. It's a bit like hypnosis. But then you kind of relive the, 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 the trauma of the event. And then you're able to, I had some panic attacks that uh, if I heard a certain sound wavelength, um, then I would just be crying. I'd just be absolutely in tears and almost be taken straight back to that kind of moment when I broke it, broke the back. So it's like a kind of physical, mental hijacking uh, of the uh, amygdala, which is the kind of fight or flight. And obviously that's unlivable. And so, yeah, then you, you, you have to kind of go through a process of, of discovery. Um, you have to go, you have to reach out to people um, for help. And I was fortunate that my GP then put me onto somebody in, um, um, in the right field. And I was able to, to overcome that challenge. And I, I think of it all as a series of challenges, you know, to, to, to overcome. And you, we'll, we'll find that in business as well and, 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 and in, uh, in, in, in our professional lives, that uh, these are just professional challenges to overcome. And in the spirit of the podcast, I mean, this was just one massive failure. As much as it was insanely traumatic, it's clearly influenced how successful you are in kind of dealing with 
you know, brands who maybe are in crisis and are trying to deal with the climate crisis itself too. So there's a common misconception with with crisis or, or, or problems in general, you know, as humans, especially those in the UK, we, we, and especially if you're a man in the UK, is that we often, you know, really suppress things. Um, but, you know, like, take, take it from me, um, you know, it, it, it just gets worse. The more you suppress it, the worse it gets. Um, and it's the same uh, for, 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 for companies as well. The more you hide problems, the more they're going to uh, reveal themselves to be even worse. And, and also the, the problem itself is never as bad as the fear of what the problem is. Um, when you actually do take the time to go through the motions, um, it's, it's not as bad as you think. And by getting through it, um, you're able to find something um, new in yourself. You're fi- able to find uh, new, uh, new energy to kind of t- take you on a uh, on a new path, and that's hugely refreshing and re- revitalizing as well. I had a I produced a photo book um, in what was it 2015? Yeah, 2015. I crowdfunded a, a photo book all about the trauma that I'd experienced, and I called it 22. So it was the 22 photo book, and that again was a great expression to kind of use uh photography that i'd picked up and i'd been shooting with this camera that i loved and uh, and i was able to kind of produce something as a positive out of that experience and and it was also a way for me to kind of connect back with a lot of friends that i'd lost touch with uh from snowboarding because maybe i'd i'd spent a, a few years just thinking oh well it's not you know i don't do that anymore that's not part of who i am anymore you know when in actual fact it's just well, as my mum would say, it's all part of life's rich tapestry. Tell me about failure number one, feeling overwhelmed and held back by people that are better than you. Yeah, so, you know, growing up with skateboarding, snowboarding, there's always um, people around you that are, that are doing the killer tricks. They're, they're in the magazines, they're in the videos, they're super confident. You're seeing them I mean, I was just chatting the other week um, with my my good friend Duncan, and uh, we were ta- talking about Tom Penny, the legendary skateboarder, being at the local Pioneer Club, which is the skate park that uh, I was at as a teenager. Helped kind of fundraise for the park as well to keep it going, and it's still going today, which is great to see. And it's you know it can be very overwhelming, you know, to to think of these individuals, and it it was the same in snowboarding as well. You know, when you're trying to break into the field. But at the same time, you, you, you kind of have to turn that energy, you know, that you feel around, um, you know, not being good enough and not ready to show yourself, your, your, you know, what you're what you're capable of to, you know, or, or that you might not be confident enough and really kind of just find your kind of what drives you what are you passionate about in that kind of expression because everybody will have their own interpretation of an expression so for instance there's a trick called the method the method grab now anybody can do a method grab but you'll never see the same method grab on a skateboarder or a snowboarder and actually we we with friends we often have a, a when i go riding with friends in the mountains now we have like a method day so we'll all be doing methods and then we'll we'll set the method so you'll say oh like do a jamie lynn method or do a terrier method because you know the different ways where they grab the board to do so it's the same trick but they're doing it in very different ways they're expressing the trick in different ways so i think that's the kind of metaphor for all of this really is that if you're trying to develop a portfolio if you're trying to you know find your style 
you know, it's always to go back to what really makes you tick. What 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 do you find inspiring? What really kind of sets you alight? And then you can, you know, kind of take that to your process to drive your creativity. And uh, yeah, for me, that was actually a, a, a huge realisation. Um, and I was able to then take bigger steps and reach, um, you know, uh, a, a semi-pro level where I was being paid to go and uh, ride events and, and, and working with photographers that I'd, I've, I've re- I'd, I'd respected, being featured in magazines and, and, and these kind of things, which was um, a fantastic uh, experience. Yeah. So, I mean, when you say you're feeling overwhelmed and held back by people that are better than you, I think a lot of web flowers might feel the same thing when you go on Twitter or Instagram or, um, you know, see people's amazing work. And it can be like, oh, I really, really want to be the one that's creating that work. And you can get feelings of jealousy when you see such incredible work that you haven't made, but someone else has. But actually what you're saying is, you know, if you are part of that community and uh, and you are inspired by that work and apply that to your own um your own web flow journey then you're going to be better off for it you can do your own method grab of of the web flow world and also you know if you help lift others up then that you know energy will be reciprocated and other people will lift you up too yeah and these these uh like like, like we were saying earlier you know the these uh, problems aren't as big as you think they are until you till you kind of face them and you know the inspiration that's going on around you so it may feel like you're uh you're you're behind or that you're not able to kind of um uh, uh, reach those levels but you can and you will uh if you continue to to evolve your own process uh and you stay curious and stay inspired by the work that's going on around you so it's 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 just how we interpret what we're seeing and what we're kind of experiencing when we do look at this work that we're maybe frightened of or threatened by when in actual fact it's just purely for inspiration you know yeah i love this idea of um you know if you feel behind you know you're not behind it's <laughs> there's no there's no in front or behind you're running your own race as it were and everyone is doing their own race and everyone can learn from each other in in some respect, regardless of where you are in your path. So tell me about failure number two, then failing to appreciate being a generalist. Yeah. So this, this comes from my like early days in my career in London after, after I'd left snowboarding and I'd started working at agencies and production companies and I'd often get called the jack of all trades master of none and so you know I always kind of felt that that was a negative thing but as I learned more about uh, Steve Jobs uh, and other neo-generalists as it were you know that I, I found that I was able to kind of be in the middle of everything but at the center of nothing that's that was a, a quote that came up on a Brian Eno interview that I heard and it's 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 that curiosity bit being able to be you know um across many different fields you know whether it be taking photographs to drawing to enjoying writing to enjoying the you know um the outside world the natural world learning more about you know different species or the world around us is is yeah i mean for 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 me there's there's lots and di- lots of different areas that i find interesting but everybody will have their own interests and 
it's not to say that you have to kind of shut any of those out. I think it's very easy for us to kind of be blinkered. I mean, we all have blind spots as, as, as humans, you know, but it's very easy to say blinkered and think, oh, well, I can't do that because, you know, my degree is in this. And, and, and actually, I've got a master's in this degree, which is actually that's actually a niche within a niche. You know, so even a niche, you know, so we are you know, we're, I think there's a lot in culture that's kind of saying, well, yeah, but, you, you know, you need to be um, you, you need a to specialist. be this. Yeah. Well, you need to be a specialist. Yeah. I mean, my first career advisor, um, when I, um, when I was at school, I kind of met him and I said, Oh, like, I'm really, you know, I've joined the British snowboarding team and I love this snowboarding world. I love natural world. And he was like, yeah, you should join the army. And I was like, um, it was not, not what I was expecting. <laughs> but yeah, I think staying inspired, staying curious, being that in the middle of everything, but at the center of nothing. And you don't need, and that's very much the Webflow community. You know, there, there's, it, there's so many different people doing so many different types of work. You don't have to, you know, it may look like those people are at the center of those things, but they're, but they're just, they're just, they're just in the middle of it. Like every, everyone else is in the middle of it. We're all pig, pigs in shit um as it were sorry so <laughs> so what i'm hearing from you is stay curious don't yeah. be a clone there are plenty of people in the webflow space that are doing well in their own respective way but that doesn't just mean copy them you know make sure to tap into your own general interests and let that inspire your own creativity can you tell us a little bit about harry dots because shout out harry big listener of Webflail, but you spoke to Harry the other day. And I think this is really important for anyone that's thinking about setting up their own portfolio, the advice that you gave him. Yeah. So um, Harry had a really inspiring NFT project. His great little illustrations that he'd been doing and he's working, I think he's working with a friend on it. There was a very much a decoupling between that and what I was seeing from the the the, the site that he'd put out for his his uh, his professional work. So, yeah, um, uh, we had a, a chat. I was kind of like, well, you know, could you bring some of those ideas to what you're doing over on the um, on the kind of corporate or, or business portfolio presentation side of things you're doing? Um, because that expression was 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 maybe a, a, a truer to who Harry is. I mean this is all like wood for the trees stuff, you know, like you can't see the wood for the trees because you're too close, you know? And I think when you're, I think what's so brave about Harry is, is when I put on Twitter, Oh, like I'm having like, you know, virtual coffees with people, you know, putting a link out, people want to just catch up for a coffee, no agenda, you know, like 10, 15 minutes. It's actually one of Maker Matt's um, uh, ideas. I thought it was brilliant. And just a great, you know, we're all in this kind of very solo world of working from home. What a great way to kind of get out of our heads and, and to be able to kind of talk about different challenges that other people are facing. And and, and I think for, for Harry, it was it was it was great for us to just have that chat and think about this kind of cross pollination of, uh, of ideas. And it was, again, really positive for me to kind of have that uh, uh, conversation with with Harry, because then I was able to come away reassess the projects that i'm working on yeah and every, everybody wins so great advice there in in my opinion as well if you are super passionate about nfts or you're super passionate about cooking or whatever it is that is part of your identity and don't be afraid to express that through webflow projects that you do through clients that you want to attract through your own portfolio and style because you know there are plenty of clonables out there that are all great but they're not 
you and you don't want to be a clone and uh, just be aware of that when you're making your own portfolio, I think is a really, really important lesson to, to share. And can I just add, by the way, that the quote, Jack of all trades, that's only half the quote. Do you know what the full quote is, Hamish? No, I want to know. It's Jack of all trades, master of none, though oftentimes better than master of one. There you go. So that so pretty much summarizes what we've been saying. <laughs> all that time. I know. Because <laughs> I'm called Jack, so everyone says, oh, yeah. That's it. Jack, I, I was going to say, excuse the pun, but I wasn't sure it was a pun. I mean, I, I am definitely a generalist. <laughs> but what I'm trying to say is that that really, that full quote summarizes yeah. in my head what we've been talking about. Jack of all trades, master of none, though oftentimes better than master of one. So... There you I go. mean, it's excellent. It feels very meta that we're actually, I'm on a call with someone called Jack and Jack is telling me about what the Jack of all trades, master of none quote is. In full, that then yeah. makes me feel reassured by being a generalist. Tell me about failure number three, realizing money is an energy and failing at investing in the wrong projects. Yeah, so this is a project that I uh, that got involved with um, in my early days in uh, in my career in London. Decided to launch an umbrella brand, uh, and so I I had uh, some um, uh, umbrellas produced. Yeah, no, so I had this idea that, that I'd love to kind of if I was underneath an umbrella, I could look up and enjoy you know some contemporary artwork and I associated with some art, uh, some artists at the time decided that I'd, I'd love to kind of get the get some prints made and get them on the un, underside of these umbrellas they looked absolutely beautiful there was nothing wrong with the product I wasn't my heart wasn't in or my gut wasn't in umbrellas I didn't want to be an umbrella businessman and so you know the energy of that um had a had a shelf life i was able to get through a season producing the products but i wasn't and, and, and i you know sold them to i think it was like 18 different stores as far as japan even so there was some you know thirst for that for it in the kind of street culture world had some publicity and all of that that was that was great but um I just didn't want to make umbrellas. So as a result of your heart not being in it, you realized that, you know, you couldn't, you didn't have the drive behind it, even though it seemed like commercially, you know, that there was money in these, uh, in these umbrellas. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. So there's a, an overarching theme to everything that we're kind of talking about, which is the purpose in what we're doing, you know, and, and whether that be the creative um, outcome of your portfolio or whether it be in, the um, feeling overwhelmed around the community of fantastic designers, developers, how to stand out, you know, how to, how to make a claim, how to, how to get more work, whatever your, your goal is. It's the same as, as, as the umbrellas, you know, that it's, it's, you, you know, you, you need something to guide you. You need some sort of purpose, some sort of why. It's fine to to have a what and a how, you know, like I guess Webflow is the how, you know, and the the what is the, uh, you know, client or it's the execution, whatever you're trying to execute, you know, 
which is all fine and good. But I think that the the work that I've seen in the field and what lot well any work in general or any brand um, that stand that stands out the mo- most is why they do it. You know, no people buy Apple because it, it it it's those those people think differently or the tools that they offer. Yeah, that it's a great computer or it's a great uh, phone. Uh, but there's loads of other companies that produce uh, phones uh, and computers. But it's this computer and this phone um, that that I choose because I like what what that brand says. Simon Sinek is a great reference for this. Um, Start with why, which is a brilliant book, and you can see his talks on YouTube. Mm. So. What you're essentially saying is if your heart isn't in umbrellas, don't sell them. And I think this, <laughs> the quote of the episode, my heart wasn't in umbrellas. But what you're really saying is, you know, say, you know, a tobacco company comes to you and says, I'll pay you three million quid to do a rebrand and do our website. It's having that alignment between your thoughts, words and actions to say, you know what, that money like that's not what I want to spend my time doing. And it doesn't matter what the money, you know, the financial exchange is. It's not, it's not what I want to do and it's not going to be my best work. And I'm not going to feel aligned with that project. So I'm not going to take it on. There's another helpful tool. I'm just going to dig it out. It's called the Ikigai. Have you ever heard of the Ikigai? Yeah. Is this, this uh, kind of Japanese triangle? Um, it's like a fancy Venn diagram, let's say. Yeah. So, so, so yeah. it's what you love what the world needs, what you can get paid for, and what you're good at. And where those overlap, you get passion, mission, vocation, and a profession. And if those things align, then you will have a happy, fulfilling life, I guess. Well, you don't necessarily have to have them align, but if you can can use that tool to just start to narrow the the goal uh, of what you're trying to achieve or the the vision for what you're trying to achieve so because of my back injury I got very invested in in transformation uh, this idea of transformation Uh, and then I also thought about well what the world needs is, is we need to accelerate this because obviously we've got the climate crisis so how do we accelerate it how do we accelerate transitions well we have to you know find something like play because like, I've always loved play, the the idea of play, which the German educationist, there's a great German educationist called Friedrich Froebel, who quoted that he said, um, play is the engine that powers education, which I think is amazing. And that realization that actually when, so when, when as a child, I would always be playing with Lego. I loved Lego. And, you know, as a child, that was, that for me, that was constructive work. I didn't see it as play. You know, I was going to build Dover Ferryport. When I went through Dover Ferryport on the way to our family holiday in France, I spent two weeks in in France thinking about how to build Dover Ferryport out of Lego. Like the whole two weeks, absolutely just transfixed. You know, okay, I'm going to have to do like a ramp and I'm going to need like a one and a two and a and a flat and, a, and and then the blocks will kind of, you know, and I could use, there's a bit of that railway set that I could use for the kind of that, you know, the, the kind of freight bit. I came back, I remember, I remember this like it was yesterday. I came back and ran straight upstairs and I spent five hours building 
Dover Ferry Port. And it didn't matter that it was the wrong colour. It didn't matter that all the blocks were a different different colour. It was my interpretation of Lo- uh, of Dover Ferry Port. <laughs> and, uh, and, the le- <laughs> and, then, and the lesson to draw from this... <laughs> Is build more Lego. Well, <laughs> <laughs> you completely threw me there. I had no idea where we were going. What is this? Why are we talking about Dover Ferry Port? Oh, God. <laughs> I'm crying. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. No, so like, like let's, let's bring it back to Webflow because otherwise we're not going to ever finish this conversation. <laughs> so when building with Webflow, it's a bit like Lego, you know, just, you know, I need a one I need a two-er, I need a three-er, I need a four-er, I need a block, I need a flat section. <laughs> oh, God. Tenuous, tenuous links. With <laughs> me. Oh god. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. No, but okay, right. wait. If we were just try and pull something from that. <laughs> what you're saying is that when you're in a state of play, when you're in that flow state, that is when you do your best creative work. So you need to find people that align with you, that have a purpose, have a mission that you know you want to you know, spend time trying to figure their problems out so that you do your best creative work. They're the right client for you. And um, you've got to know yourself enough to to know what feels like play for you. And frankly, the best moments in life don't come from having the most money. That's why loads of millionaires and billionaires are miserable because, (laughs) you know, money does not necessarily equal happiness, right? So, Work out what your state of play is and and chase that feeling, I think. So I've got a harder question for you now to to finish on. What is your next failure going to be? Oh, crikey. Um, My next failure, um, I I have no idea. Tough question. I've yeah, I've no idea. Hopefully not um, as as big as uh, a broken back um and um i mean it could be another umbrella moment let's say um between broken back and umbrella (laughs) i I find i find i've that i'm i'm more kind of resilient to failures or at least i'm kind of set I, i set myself up to win even if i fail so so a project may not go right a client relationship may not go well we're humans we're human beings we're not androids thankfully yet we we are living beings we make mistakes we we don't do everything the right way we're not meant to and actually if you can take your failures and realize the you know not just the lessons that you've learned from them but also ways in which you can just do it differently that you can just you know minimize the effects that it has on you that it has on you then then i think then you cannot you can always win through through failure as well because something else will come out of it thanks for listening to episode 20 of webflail and thanks so much to hamish for coming on the podcast 
What I love about this episode is Hamish talking about the power of being a generalist. Hamish attributes some of his success to do with knowing a little bit about a lot of things, but a real depth of knowledge about business needs. Hamish has let all these different interests, photography, wildlife, snowboarding, inspire his design aesthetic, and that in turn attracts the clients he actually wants to serve. So don't be a clone is Hamish's advice. Make sure you don't squash your general interests because that is what makes you truly distinct and that is going to infuse into your design aesthetic. Next week, I'll be interviewing Mason Poe, the founder of Edgar Allan Studio. So excited for this one. Until next week, web flailers. 